There is more to reality than, than meets the eye. There's more to see than can be seen. An iceberg is an example of it. About 10% of it is seen on top of the water. Most of what's going on with that iceberg is below the surface. And like icebergs, there are of many things that we think we see. There's a lot more going on that we do not see. We see war on the horizon. We see political intrigue. We see people fighting and getting on each other's nerves. We see trouble in this life, and we think that God doesn't like us. But things are not as they seem. Today we return to the book of Revelation. That first line in the book reads, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That word revelation in the Greek is apocalypse. Now we say apocalypse and think end of the world, natural disaster. It means to reveal what's hidden. In a way, it's not too different than our organ. Anna plays the organ, we see her play, but what really makes the organ work is behind the scenes. Dana, can you open that door? Underneath are bellows and machines and pipes. We don't see it. It's behind the door. And this is what the book of Revelation does. It opens the door. It opens a curtain so that we can see what's really going on. And so don't think of this book as a crystal ball that looks into the future. Think of it as us opening several doors where God will allow us to see what's going on behind the scenes. Now, we began with a vision in chapter 1. We read chapters 2 and 3. Those were seven messages, the seven churches. And now in chapter 4, we're going to have described for us another vision. We'll begin with verse 1. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And so immediately, John is in the spirit, and he's given eyes to see what's in the spiritual realm. And what does he see? Verse 2, he sees a throne. Someone is ruling. Someone is in charge. Now, John lived in a world where Domitian, the emperor, declared himself to be Lord. And if you did not worship him as such, persecution came against you. John, he's on a rocky island that's a labor camp. He's basically exiled and imprisoned. And when John looks at the world, he sees persecution, oppression, hardship. But Jesus opens the door and says, no, God is on the throne. He is ruling even now. So what do we see in our world? Threats of war, People arguing about COVID, vilifying people who don't agree with our opinion, 
there's more going on behind the scenes. There is someone actually stirring the pot in all this we see. But there's also someone on the throne, ruling over it and through it. John sees someone on the throne. There will be things going around the throne and behind the throne and before the throne, but this vision is about the throne. Someone is ruling. Someone is in charge. And that someone is the Lord Almighty. There's nothing he cannot do. There's nothing he cannot redeem. The seven churches in Asia are wondering, Lord, what's happening to our world? It's falling apart. Jesus' answer is this, I am on the throne. Verse 4, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. These elders represent the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament saints worship God together in heaven. In verse 5, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles, and peals of thunder. That captures the majesty and the awesomeness of God. And then verse 5 and following, in front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. And these represent the seven spirits of God. Not seven spirits, but God in all of his fullness. And there's also a, a sea that looks like glass. And uh, that sea represents, often represents, chaos. We're going to see in later chapters of the book that the beast will rise out of the sea. The whore of Babylon will sit on the sea. The sea represents chaos, and these things will rise from the sea. But notice who's also there. It's the Holy Spirit. And this is no coincidence, because in Genesis chapter 1, we see the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the deep, bringing life and order out of chaos. Do we see chaos in our world? God sees it, and God in his spirit is working it and using it. He is still in charge. Verse six and following. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So 
what are these creatures? They're either a type of angel or they are another type of heavenly being or they could be representing or representative of the animate animal creation. There's a rabbinic writing that dates to the time of John and it says this, there are four mighty creatures. The mightiest among the birds is the eagle. The mightiest among domestic animals is the ox. The mightiest among wild animals is a lion. And the mightiest of them all is man. God has taken all of these and secured them to his throne. And so regardless of what these heavenly creatures are, what this part of the text is saying to us is that the angels, all the beings of heaven, even the animals of creation, they all give glory to God. And what do these creatures never stop saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now in Hebrew, if you want to emphasize something, you repeat it. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say unto you. He's, he's drawing emphasis to it. He's saying, listen up. I'm going to tell you something super important. So he'll repeat it. Truly, truly. Here, the word holy is repeated three times. It's lifted that word to its highest degree. It's saying this is the essence of who God is. He is totally holy. And holiness conveys the idea of total otherness or separateness. Imagine uh, the brain of an earthworm and then compare that to the brain of Einstein. That's a vast difference, but it's finite. The difference between our mind and God's is infinite. He is totally other, totally holy. And holy also speaks of his moral purity. And so we're going to read together what the elders and the living beings are saying in heaven before the throne. Imagine we can see it because it's going on right now. So let's join our words to theirs, and we're going to say the words on the screen. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And now our choir will continue to sing of God's holiness.
to stand and continue to sing of God's holiness, we will sing the hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. worshiping. Holy, holy, holy. Now let's return to our text, verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, 
You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. You are worthy. God is worthy of our worship. That word worship, worthship, means to ascribe to him worth. And why is he worthy? Because he has created all things. He's created you. You, In him you live and move and have your being. By his will you take a breath. By his will you live this day. By his will you are saved. And so we say you are worthy. Notice the elders lay their crowns before him. Whatever they are, they owe and ascribe it to him. And we, like they, owe everything to the Lord. Whatever accolades we may have achieved in our lives, all of it has been by his will and for his glory. Now, when John writes this, he's living a difficult life in a difficult time. And these have been difficult times. COVID has been a disruption and an inconvenience. Masks might be a hassle. But it doesn't compare to what John's church was going through at that time. It doesn't compare to being persecuted for your faith and being hunted down and killed because you believe in Jesus. And so to this church where life has been difficult, God shows them, I am on the throne. He is ruling. And the thing we need most is to see him ruling and to worship him as such. You know, worship is going on in heaven right now. Do you know anyone who's there? Can you picture John and Suzanne worshiping before the throne? Next week we'll read that the prayers of the saints, that's us, are brought into the worship service in heaven and becomes part of it. What we do here becomes part of what they do in heaven. God is worthy of our worship. He created all things. He is holy and we owe him our very breath. And we can come to church or we can join online and we can be either an observer or a participant. There's a difference. A little less than a year after I came to Kansas, someone gave me tickets to a KU game, and so we drove to Lawrence, and we were there for the game, and and they have all this pregame stuff going on, cheering, dancing, singing, chant, and I thought, holy smoke, these people are crazy. 
And I thought, this isn't a game, this is a, a worship event. And I was just kind of like this the whole game, just kind of watching them. I was an observer. But I did notice that if you were a participant, participant, it, it surely enhanced your experience. Well, a few days later, someone gives me tickets to the WSU game. And I had already known the previous December that I was coming to Wichita. I am a college basketball fan, and so I started to read up on the team. They were on national TV a couple of times, and they had that undefeated uh, regular season. So, you know, when I got to Wichita, I'm already into the Shockers, but I hadn't been to a game. So I'm, I'm finally getting to go to a, a game, and I walk into the Coke Arena, and I thought, these people also are crazy. <laughs> but, you know, the, there was the first basket, and everyone cheered, and I cheered too, and then there was a turnover, and people go, ooh, and then, you know, I booed too, and, you know, with every point I cheered, and every turnover I groaned, and it was a great game. They were playing UNI, University of Northern Iowa. I have family that went to that school, and so it was really a, a great game. It came down to the end, and the Shockers clinched uh, the conference with that win, and after the game, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was a participant, not just an observer. It made a difference in my experience. God shows us this great worship scene in heaven, and he calls us to be participants in what is going on up there. And participating in this worship where we see God on his throne, not only will it impact our experience here in worship, but it will affect how you think of all of life. Several years ago, my sister visited us from Minnesota. Uh, she grew up in Southern California, and her husband was also from Southern California, but they lived in Minneapolis, and, and they came to visit us, and in tow was my eight-year-old nephew. And we went to visit Universal Studios, and we took that tram tour. And uh, one of the stops on the tram tour was this subway station in New York where there was a runaway train that was going to crash into the station. And they say, well, we're going to have to get out of here because there's a runaway train and then the engine and the tram stalls and you're stuck there. And they're counting down when the train is going to collide and then finally you see the light coming down the subway tunnel and uh, some of the kids on the tram start to scream. And my nephew also starts to scream and says, Dad, do something. How can you be so calm? Perspective. He thought there was going to be a train wreck. Dad knew everything is under control. When John writes this, 
the government is a train bearing down on the church. And what the church most needs to hear is God is on his throne. Worship him. He's in control.